Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in to my Know Your Rights podcast. This is something that I've been wanting to do for a while now and honestly I think it can be something that's great and special for us. Always know that, you know, I'm just like one of you guys. I'm not a lawyer or anything like that. I'm just here to help spread the word and hopefully you guys can do the same. So I'm always going to put the links to my sources in the bio every week. So let's get into it. All right, guys. So it's week one, as you know. So that means it's episode one. And today we're just going to do a quick timeline run through of the 13th Amendment. And we're going to talk about how it relates to communities today and how it's still affecting us today. Um, So shit, let's get started. (laughs) All right, guys, so we're going to start in 1862, September 22nd. Um, Lincoln had a cabinet meeting, and in this meeting, he frequently tied slavery to the Civil War. It was his goal to always save the Union, not necessarily to put an end to slavery, which I'm sure we all know this already. Let's fast forward to the next year, January 1st, 1863. Lincoln's proclamation freed the slaves in rebellious states, a.k.a. Confederate states or the southern states, which freed about four million African-Americans. But let's not forget that even though he freed these slaves, there were still other slaves in bondage in the Union, which was approximately one million people. Um, As long as the government had control of these states, they were allowed to continue slavery. They knew that slavery was a driving factor in their economy but these states they were like all right you know what we fuck with the government we're gonna do what it is they say and the government let them continue slavery so now that we covered the simplicity of the 1863 proclamation which we know did not abolish slavery completely you might be curious as to who in the government actually wanted to end slavery Okay, so on December 14th, 1863, we have a man by James Ashley, a House representative from Ohio who proposed an amendment to abolish slavery once and for all in all of the United States. Shortly thereafter, within the same month, he was followed by a man named James Wilson from Iowa who proposed the same thing. Now, less than a month later, in January of 1864, We have a man by the name of Senator John Hamilton of Missouri who submitted a joint resolution to end slavery. Now, around this time, the Civil War was on an uprise and equality amongst whites and blacks was in question probably now, probably more now than ever before. The amendments brought forth by these men is what we now know as the 13th Amendment. Now, according to the Constitution, the 13th Amendment states, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except for punishment of a crime where the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction, unquote. Now, getting this amendment passed was going to be an uphill battle, to say the least, And it was. We all know during this time there were racists and bigots and white supremacy was at an all-time high. So, of course, it was not going to be easy. Now, as far as our Congress goes, it is composed of two parts, the House of Representatives and the Senate. We, the people, vote these people into office to 
represent us, our ideas and our opinions. That just doesn't happen to be the case all the time back then and today, obviously. But in 1864, the Senate Judiciary Committee passed the 13th Amendment and forwarded it to the whole Senate to be passed and then sent to the House to be passed as well, except the House was not fucking with us being free and equal. Not only did they fail to pass this amendment once, but twice. Like, what the fuck? Oh my God, corny, lame, boo, tomato, 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 I'm throwing tomatoes. All right, let's move on. Uh, it was believed that we needed Lincoln to be reelected in order for this bill to pass. People love to say, like, Lincoln freed the slaves. So back then, like, he was basically our Superman. Like, <laughs> he was our Superman. But as stated, his main concern was protecting the Union, not freeing the slaves. But abolitionists, they weren't stepping down. They said what they said, and they stood firm in freeing the slaves nationwide. It has been said that Lincoln, simply put, bribed people in the House to support this amendment with cushy new jobs and other inducements. He did not care what had to be done or promised he was getting this bill passed. And he did, so I'm going to give him credit for that. Um, but you promising people all these things, like, you really didn't care. Like, you weren't doing this for us. You were doing it for yourself. And these people didn't do it for us. They did it for themselves. So, in turn, I still don't. He's not my Superman, you know. Um, but, again, with all these promises and promotions made, like, the mindsets of those people who opposed this amendment changed with the quickness. The House of Representatives eventually passed the bill on January 31st, 1865, Abraham Lincoln signed it into law and passed it to the states for ratification, meaning that three quarters of the states had to agree to this amendment for it to become national law. Abraham died before seeing this ratification complete. Twelve months after his death, Georgia finally ratified, making the 13th Amendment lawful in all of the United States on December 6th, 1865 meaning that all slaves were free in the United States. But were we really free, though? Following the ratification of the 13th Amendment, the southern states were in a frenzy, but not for long. These Confederate states came up with a way to replenish their economy in the same year. Okay, they were not playing. The decision that these states came up with was to create new laws. So these laws were only state and local, aka district based, and these laws were called black codes or black laws. Now these codes were established in retaliation to the 13th Amendment because as I just stated, the federal government passed the 13th Amendment and federal law is kinda above state law, you know. Um, and, you know, these southern states, they didn't want to accept um, or live in a reality where blacks were free or were equal. Like, that just did not make sense to them for some reason. Um, black codes, a.k.a. black laws, were just that. They were laws imposed on black people of African descent to keep them stuck in a poverty or slaveristic lifestyle. Now, black codes examples are included but not limited to 
uh, not being able to assemble more than five at once. So pool parties that we have in the summer or cookouts or even spending the holidays together. No, we're not doing that. Illegal. You will go to jail. Um, you had to carry paperwork with you stating that you were employed in said state or said county. All of our juries would be all white and we could not testify against a white person in court. Uh, in South Carolina, for example, we couldn't be employed as anything other than a farmer. And I'm not saying that farming is bad or whatever, like, we all love to garden. But if we wanted to be anything else, we had to pay an annual tax of $10 to $100. And you know they weren't getting no $10 back then, not for no hour of employment, you know? So whatever dreams and aspirations y'all have today would have never happened. We weren't allowed to vote. We were only allowed certain types of property. We would get paid less than our white counterparts, which still happens today. If we broke a contract, we could go to jail. We could be whipped. We could be lynched. Um, homelessness and unemployment were also illegal and resulted in incarceration as well as everything else I have stated with longer sentencing and draining work hours. The South eventually graduated from Black Codes to Jim Crow. Now, not only were we regulated heavily before, they weren't about to take their foot off our necks now. Now, as I stated, these codes were a retaliation against the Federal Amendment Number 13. So in order for the government to show their power, they passed the 14th Amendment. But we'll get into that next time. Black Codes were the beginning of our justice system and the rise of the prison population, because was there even a need for prison before the Civil War? After the South adopted black codes, transferring to Jim Crow was nowhere near difficult. These Jim Crow laws were simple, separate, but equal. Speak out against it, jail. Use white only anything, jail. Sit in white only sections, jail. Do anything that has to do with white people, jail. And no, I'm not exaggerating. Only summarizing, it was worse than just prison for many other black men and women. The prison population has expanded incredibly since the 13th Amendment. From 1925, with approximately 91,669 people incarcerated, to 2019, with approximately 1,380,427 people incarcerated. Less than 100 years in the United States has managed to put away over 1.2 million people. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. And black people represent 13% of the United States population, but represent 38% of the people in prison. Black people are almost three times more likely to be arrested than our white counterparts. Now, let's rewind for a second to the Black Code era, where they were arresting us for simple things, some things that I didn't mention, attitude problems, lack of respect, etc. This is right after Lincoln freed the slaves in the South. They needed to rebuild their economy. So what better way than to create laws that only affect black people. That way they can use the, the 13th Amendment for their benefit. Because remember, 
neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for a crime. So if laws were created, even menial laws, that they can now use against us for involuntary servitude. Now remember, back then with black code, black codes and black laws and everything against black people, remember how I said that all of our jurors would be white? Most of these people, especially in the South, they don't want us to be free already. So obviously they're going to convict us whether we are guilty or not. They used us by convict leasing. I know. What the fuck, right? Allow me to explain this bullshit. We know nowadays that prisoners can choose whether or not they want to quote unquote work, even though we all know they're very well underpaid. Convict leasing was a little different back in 1865 through 1939. Now, according to the Equal Justice Initiative, convict leasing is described as a system in which southern states leased prisoners to private railways, mines, and large plantations. While states profited, prisoners earned no pay, faced inhumane, dangerous, and often deadly work conditions. So for those like myself and my best friend asking how did... Our economy stay afloat after the end of slavery. That's how. The imprisonment of recently freed black people. In return, the state was receiving profits off the labor of these recently freed, newly incarcerated black people. Just an FYI, in 1883, in Alabama, 10% of the total revenue was derived from convict leasing. And 15 years later, that percentage increased to 73% of Alabama's total annual revenue. Now, let's not forget that most of the people in jail or prison take a plea instead of going to court. Just think, if any of us are in this position that we all decide to take a chance and go to court, we'd bankrupt the system. Like, seriously. But seriously, even today, prisoners are used to assemble products, clothing, etc. for pennies. We're all worried about labor conditions in China, but not here. Black people in prisons have families and loved ones I am sure they would love to send something, anything to. Even to survive out of prison. If they're really trying to make a change and do better, and they have been incarcerated for years, if they do leave with the money earned... What is $50 to $1,000 really going to do in this economy? I mean, for real. Now we're coming to the end of today's episode. So that means, of course, I have to give my opinion. Regardless of the facts that I just shared with you. And in my opinion, the prison labor industry is modern day 1865. And it's disgusting. They may not use the same language. But watching all the documentaries I have watched and seeing how bad it is for people that haven't even been convicted yet it's just a sad story living conditions are sad um and it's disgusting like i can go into more detail about you know the modern day slavery urban housing and federal programs that there are out there and don't get me wrong i'm not saying that they're all bad because we know that there are trolls out there waiting for you to mess up 
but it is very informative. Um, but with everything discussed today, my question for you, Black America, is are we really free? Thanks for tuning in today, you guys. And we love open and challenging conversations on our IG at Know Your Rights Podcast. Please like and subscribe, and we will see you guys next week. give y'all a disclaimer now as i stated at the beginning of this episode i am just a regular citizen i am not a lawyer a judge or anything like that i am just here to give you knowledge so you know your history you know your rights i don't want to entice any harm just important conversation these are just facts except for you know my opinion I do not believe that everyone in the justice system is particularly good or bad, but I do believe it's best for us to know our rights and our history so we are prepared for anything. Thanks, guys.